0: so where
1: yeah. yeah.
0: championship uh, but uh again they continue to roll here good show today we'll have Sam King of the Lafayette Journal and Courier on with us and uh, he'll talk a little bit more about those Boilermakers with you here so stick around got you covered on that and of course we'll also have the Boiler Basketball show uh, a little bit later on too uh where myself Jeff Julik uh, special guest Alan Karpik special guest Nate Barrett uh we'll all talk uh About what we've been seeing here, that game, what it means. Again, plenty of that talk here for you today. Don't you worry about that. Let's get started. Like we always do, it's Need to Know News time. Here's your Need to Know News. All right, speaking of men's basketball, down 10 at one point. Rally back for an 8-point win over Minnesota. Final score of that one, 84-76. Like a weird late tip in there to not make it a double-digit victory but whatever it is a victory Zach Eady 24 points 15 rebounds Braden Smith 16 points 8 rebounds 9 assists 14 points Adam Mason Gillis they're gonna head to Ohio State on Sunday leaves the Big Ten looking like this Purdue at 12 and 2 own a two-and-a-half game lead on the Illini, who have to go out to College Park tomorrow. Remaining schedule, six games left. Three at home, three on the road. Those road games, this Sunday at Ohio State. Next week at Michigan. I believe it's a Sunday tip-off there. And then March the 5th at Illinois. Home games are Rutgers. Wisconsin-Michigan State. So you feel pretty good with a two-game lead. You could start out Sunday with a three-game lead. Push that to three and a half with a win at Ohio State. If that's the case with five left, might about be all she wrote. Softball started out their weekend with a the win. They beat UIC two to nothing. Julia Gossett now improves to 3-0 and on the season. She hits up the complete game. They've got a... Second one, I believe upcoming here. One of, the, I, one of them adjusted their whole series. And I couldn't remember if it was baseball, but I thought it was softball. And I couldn't dig up that tweet for whatever reason. I can't remember where I saw it. Anyway, softball does get uh, the W here. So they continue to do work down in Tampa. Uh, their next matchup is scheduled for South Florida tonight at 7 o'clock. That game's actually on ESPN Plus, too, for those who have such things. Meanwhile, baseball opening up down in Houston today. They have a first pitch at 4 p.m., taking on Stony Brook. Get out to Holloway tonight, where wrestling's in town, and they will host the Illini, and it is senior night. You know how much the Illini love us. So get on out there and uh, support here. There have been a number of high school events that are canceled tonight due to the uh, weather. I know it's not so bad for most of you out there right now, but temperature's gonna drop, might get a little bit slick. Double check, do not assume your game is on tonight. I have seen like CC still in action, but I think like McCutcheon canceled their game with Muncie Central. So just double-check. Two juveniles have been arrested in connection to the Chief's Parade shooting. A news release from Jackson County's Family Court said juveniles were charged yesterday. They are being detained in the county's juvenile detention center on gun-related and resisting arrest charges. The release is uh, anticipated, uh, or the release is anticipated, that there will be additional charges as the investigation continues. Certainly seems like Aiden O'Connell's Raiders now. Jimmy Garoppolo has been busted for violating the league's policy on banned substances. Apparently was taking something that he did not have a valid prescription for. He's getting a two-game suspension. Meanwhile, Adam Scheffner says the Raiders will cut him uh, by that first window of the first uh, league. uh, The league year starts here in March. I think he got like five days or whatever it is to uh, start making some of these cuts Uh, And uh, they will cut him. The team will save $11.25 million by shipping or by just tearing up the con. What do do they do? Who knows? Uh, But it is Aiden O'Connell's Raiders now, in case you had any doubts. And there you go. That would be today's need to know news for this Friday, the 16th of February, 2024. Man, I'll tell you what, we started out so super hot. So hot this week on our picks. And then Tuesday we went halfsies, Wednesday we went halfsies. Last night, double bricks. Ugh. Wonky officiating both the games last night. Even that Rutgers Northwestern game seemed rather uneven. I mean we had one guy try to call a charge then decided to call it a block but then did the I'm a little teapot thing. I don't know what the heck was going on there. But we don't get any of the covers and that hurts. And on top of that there is zero Big 10 basketball on tonight. What am I supposed to do? gonna clean? I'm do laundry? Ugh. What kind of a life is that? No NBA tonight. I mean, you got to pull up on on hockey if you're going to do anything tonight. And even then, I don't think there's a whole lot of hockey tonight, is there? I think there's like, there's one hockey game? Hurricanes and Coyotes, Carolina, minus 215 on the road at Arizona. You know... No. It's maybe just a walk away from it kind of night. Get NBA All-Star festivities tomorrow night, which, look, I do not advise ever getting in on All-Star week. I, I just don't. If you want to, take take somebody in a three-point contest. But that's about it. Like, there's, there's all kinds of prop bets here for you, like first-round score, dunk contest average. Like, I, I, No, way too many variables, forget it. Over under on the All-Star? No, forget it. I stay away from all of it. I can't believe, How do we How do we pencil in sports days like this with literally nothing going on? What else is going on on a Friday night? Is it that bad? That I get it, become a complete degenerate and bet Ivy League basketball or whatever tonight? Dartmouth plus 10? Like, get out of here. What? We... This is egregious. We do have Villanova-Georgetown tonight, which is about the closest thing we've got to basketball you might actually want to tune into. Other than that, it's Ivy League Friday night. How does this, like, literally, how does this happen? Nobody wants to take Friday night? Nobody wants to take Friday night where there's no NHL and there's no NBA? Nothing, nada, zilch. That's disappointing. But then we, like, load up Saturday with, like, too much stuff that you can't even watch everything. Why do we do that? Get some quality Big Ten on this weekend, though. I don't know that tomorrow has a whole slate of games that you're going to be, like, overly excited about like Penn State and Nebraska will at least be somewhat interesting I think although I think Nebraska probably starts to run away with that one uh, Wisconsin and Iowa I took Wisconsin and media mania actually Illinois at Maryland that's like one of those games like both Wisconsin like, could they lose it eh, yeah does it feel really likely it just does not and then eight o'clock, you get Michigan State and Michigan. Like, <laughs> I think we're in for one of those weekends. Yeesh. A Sunday slate outside of Purdue any better? I didn't even bother to look at Sunday. Northwestern and in Indiana and Rutgers at Minnesota. I think Rutgers at Minnesota will be interesting. You know, Rutgers usually doesn't play very well away from home. But they are on a four-game win streak. Minnesota has shown a penchant for blowing games at home. Let's not forget the Purdue hangover. We know that record of teams after they play Purdue is very, very poor. Keep it in mind. But tonight, can't make any recommendations. You got the night off. We're going to take a break. Sam King, the Lafayette Journal and Courier joins us next. We'll talk some Purdue Boilermakers with him here on the Hammerdown Show on 101.7 The 101. Welcome back. It is the Hammer Down Show on 1017 The Hammer, 1017 com. Over to our Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead hotline we go. Sam King of the Lafayette Journal and Courier is on with us like he uh, always is here on Fridays now. It's uh, always great to have you back on here, Sam. Um, it's, uh, look. Big night last night in Macarena. Before I get to that, um, before you did this beat, you remember you were a humble high school reporter for quite some time. Uh, I did want to get your thoughts on uh, the news, uh, the middle part of the week here that Harrison and McCutcheon uh, have joined uh, the Sagamore, and uh, what your thoughts were on that decision.
1: Yeah, um, I'm first of all, I'm happy that these two uh, schools found a league to go to. I felt like this was probably uh the place to go because that league had um, that league had disbanded uh for the most part, all the schools around uh or in that Sagamore conference left except for Danville, Lebanon, and Tri West kind of seeing the growth of those uh communities outside of Indianapolis and saying you know we're in situations where we 're not growing, and these schools are going to get large um, and we're not going to be able to compete so Great for McCutcheon and Harrison. What, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of comments about people being like, oh, great. Harrison is just going to go there and beat up on these schools and every sport and win every conference title or whatever. Um, I think there's a lot of room for growth there because currently that's going to be, or right now, as right now, it's a five team league and you can obviously add to that. I don't think the end goal is to be a five team league, but, uh, for things like football, you have the flexibility to schedule five non conference opponents. Uh, which really should get you more than ready for the postseason, whether you're a 6A team like Harrison, 5A like McCutcheon, um, and, and obviously just the in conference play is going to help Danville, Tri West, and Lebanon um, getting to add Harrison and, and uh, McCutcheon to those schedules.
0: And it's not as if, uh, like, team, teams like Tri West, uh, traditionally very good. Uh, you know, Danville's fielded some uh, very good teams in the past as well. I know people just kind of look at the numbers and they think to themselves, "Okay, well, this is you know pretty pretty darn one sided but uh, look, I think this is a good move. some people thought maybe the duneland was better, but you know now you're not taking a two hour drive to Laporte uh much like you were taking a two and a half hour drive out to Richmond I mean like regionally just kind of it it really did make sense to me, Sam,
1: yeah, first of all, you're right from uh location standpoint it's uh much easier drive. You know, Tri-West and Danville are probably 45 minutes to an hour away from where McCutcheon is and maybe five to ten more minutes from, from Harrison. Uh, but you're right. Tri-West has a great football tradition. Uh, Danville has a great football tradition. Lebanon is a a program that's, uh, you know, at some point is probably going to get in the, into the 2,000 student range uh, the way that they're just building around 65 outside of Lebanon. So, uh-huh. uh, I think that's, you know, th- this is a great fit long-term. It doesn't look like it when you just look at involvements and try to justify on that. But, you know, and then from a basketball, baseball standpoint, all of that stuff, You there's so many non-conference games that it's not going to do a whole lot to your schedule anyway because, you know, in some cases, McCutcheon and, and Harrison were playing these schools anyway in, in some other sports.
0: All right, I do want to get into uh, Purdue basketball. Last night they get the uh, eight-point victory uh, over Minnesota, that was a, a a rough first half that just, to me, Sam, seemed like after Zach picked up that second foul and they had to sit him, that messed up the rotation. I it just seemed like everybody was really out of sorts there and never really got the hang of it. And then Cam Christie just starts pulling up and hitting all these threes. And Purdue was really thrown for a loop there in the first. But they found a way to negate him and some of that outside shooting and got back into the rhythm there in the second half. Uh, what happened, you think, at halftime? Did Matt Painter talk about anything, the adjustments that they made?
1: I, I think you give a lot of credit to Paul Luskin and to uh, Terry Johnson for the defensive adjustments because you're right. I think what did Minnesota hit like nine of 13 threes at one point um, in the first half and just started shooting the lights out and couldn't shoot in the second half and, and really uh, was forced to take more uh, contested two-point shots um and you know, I've seen the praises of Ethan Morton quite a bit and, and people I know crap on him when they look at a box score that has zero points, zero rebounds, so forth and so on. But uh he is a massive human that people don't understand. He's six seven, he's long. Uh same with Cam Heidi. These are some big dudes who we don't think are massive humans because we're used to seeing Zach Edey and Wilberg and Isaac Haas and on down the line. Um Ethan Morton is a great defender and, and he disrupts you. And, and I think that was a difference last night, uh, even though Ethan disagreed humbly in the post-game press conference. Um, I think he was a big reason that Pretty was able to turn the tide there. And then, um, yeah, you know, I think he give, um, give Caleb first some credits for playing extended minutes in the first half when Zach Eady had to go to the bench because I thought he did do some good things. But uh, with the lineups that were on the floor, it was groups that weren't used to playing together and you could, Clearly tell that, that people were out of sync and um, not used to being on the floor together um, for extended minutes. So um, that hurts you a little bit. Fortunately for Purdue, uh, you know the Boilermakers got it figured out at the right time and, and did it with really everybody playing a key role in some way, some way, shape, or form. Um, whether that was Trey Kaufman, Rand or Mason Gillis, or as I mentioned, Caleb First, Ethan Morton. Um, I felt like all of these guys did what they were asked to do in the second half, and that's why you're able to come back and turn a 10-point deficit into what was a 10-point lead at one time.
0: Talking with Sam King here on the uh, Hammerhead Hotline. One thing that I noticed from that game specifically, and I think a lot of fans noticed, was uh, the, the the big uh, the big man Parker Fox coming in there. In the, the limited minutes, he's the guy that was the uh, offensive lineman there and, and and makes a transition over to basketball to deal with Zach Eady. You know, Collins talked about he had three big guys with 15 fouls, and they were just kind of going after uh, Zach Eady a bit there and, and, and banging up on him. Now, uh, in what's probably the most hockey move I've ever seen, and so it shouldn't really surprise me, it came from Minnesota, uh, they reached down and got a guy who's not a scorer, not a defender, was just a guy there to lean on Zach and try to wear him down, it felt like. Um, is this a new trend that you think is going to continue? Do you feel like that the the new way to try to attack Zach Eadie is just putting some guys there that aren't going to do anything, be physical? If Zach's only going to hit fifty percent of his free throws, they'll live with that and and see if that's a way to beat Zach Eadie.
1: Well, I, obviously after this year, it doesn't matter. But um, this is a massive human being we're talking about that Minnesota had. I saw him pregame, and he's jacked to the gills, six foot eleven, three hundred. Probably pounds um, look like he should be in the WWE more than than in a college basketball game. But um, it's funny you mentioned that because I was talking to Brock Talukian, former West Lafayette AD, who was sitting behind me last night, and, and I said that was kind of like a, a hockey old style hockey goon. That, yeah, you know your only reason for being on the roster is to come in and basically uh, throw some crap up with the you know the best player on the other team and, and try to get him frustrated and that's exactly what he was used for. It it backfired briefly when uh, Zach Eudy came out of the game when they subbed in uh, Jack Wilson, but, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, He was in there for a a role, and it didn't pay off. But um, I don't think you can start recruiting guys to counter what somebody else might have um, because, you know, scholarships are pretty valuable. I think Minnesota maybe was in a situation where, okay, we have a scholarship, we know this year... We're facing a team that has a seven foot four, three hundred pounder that's uh, pretty physical. Uh, maybe this is something that can be of use uh, one game out of the season.
0: No, I, I agree. It's not like a long-term viable thing. But uh, and I'm sorry, I bet Jack Wilson, not Fox, but um, but I guess what I'm saying here is most teams will have maybe some other guy, a couple of guys down the bench that are just big guys that maybe not aren't skilled. Um, if if Zach's gonna hit. I mean, what's he shooting right now in the in the high 50s on his free throw percentage over the last, you know, few games? I mean, um, if that's the fact, why not go do the, the hacky-eaty type deal? Put a guy out there that's just, you know, uh, going to lean on him and, and take as much out of Zach as he's going to take out one of your starters and uh, maybe see if you can wear him down over the stretch instead of having him wear you down. I Again, I, I thought it was, I, I hate using the term hockey goon because I, like, I don't feel like it's an affair, but... Everybody's trying everything here against the guy, and i got to wonder if this isn't a new game plan for some schools that have those guys towards the ends of the bench that maybe get in a couple of minutes a game, if that, that are really, really big bodies and just, you know, if Zach's going to score over you, Zach's going to score over you, but at least get a pound of flesh out of them.
1: Yeah, and, you know, Northwestern going into the game that went to overtime at Mackey Arena uh, basically said, we have three big guys, that's 15 fouls. Yeah. they never seems shocked that Northwestern got called for so many fouls when, you know, you made it known going into the game, listen, we're going to get at least 15 fouls because that's the only way we can stop eating. Um, And Zach's a great free throw shooter. Not great, but, you know, probably closer to 70 to 80% um, consistently. And and right now he's in a big funk. So it seems to be probably the best strategy, but also he, uh, you know, Zach missed six of his first nine shots last night. Um, And part of that is probably, just having those big bodies that are willing to get physical with you. And if they don't call it fouls, that's a whole different kind of game plan where you can be physical and and maybe try to rough him up a little bit and take him out of his his game plan. So, you know, I think as we get into the uh, NCAA tournaments and you have teams that, you know, probably never expected to play Purdue, um, it'll be interesting to see the strategies, but um, everybody in the big 10 knows that that's what you have to do is um, you can't let Zach Edey beat you and, not that that's easy to do because he's still finding ways to do it.
0: Talking with Sam King here on the Blue Fox Eating Cooling Hammerhead Hotline. The uh, Boilermakers heading out to Columbus Value City Arena on Sunday against a struggling Buckeyes team who has uh, just let Chris Holtman take a walk. Here's a $14 million check. We'll see you later, buddy. Have fun. Uh, so here they are in a bit of transition. It's not as if they are completely devoid of talent. You know, Bruce Thornton is a, is a guy here that uh, can really do some damage to you if you don't watch out it's just they, they have so much inconsistency, Sam uh when it comes to scoring here, but again, you're going in on a weekend to a team where it doesn't have a whole lot of potential bright spots on it, but beating the number two team in the country would you're going to get their best effort uh What are we expecting here on Sunday against Ohio State, and what worries you?
1: Well, people forget now that at one point Ohio State was what nine and two something like that to start the year and and people thought, well, that's maybe a, a dark horse to win the Big Ten this year. With, as you mentioned, some of the players on that team are, are really skilled guys, and, and Thornton's probably one of the better players in the league. But uh, things have spiraled. Um, you know, I don't think they've made the tournament two straight years, and this would be a third. And uh, holton has been there seven or eight years now. So, uh, you know, I, I hate that they made a move when when the Buckeyes did. Um, you don't know what you're going to get because. Now you're seeing for the first time this team without its head coach. Um, but as, as Matt Painter alluded to last night, you don't scrap what you've been working on since June. So Purdue is, is expecting to see much of what we've seen this season. It's just, can you go there and, and play better than Ohio State for 40 minutes? And, um, you know, last year it was obviously a down to the wire game too uh, that, that, uh, ended up with Fletcher Lawyer hitting a game winning three at the end. So, uh, I expect this to be probably a closer game than, than many people do. Um, but uh, I think this is a situation where if Purdue can win here, you you don't wrap up the Big Ten Conference, but it feels like you've all but uh, secured that, that Big Ten championship and probably have the one seed in the conference tournament uh, come March.
0: Especially if Illinois decides they can't go out and win at Maryland and uh, you're going into the game with a uh, three-game lead, and then that would leave you with, what, uh, five games left and a, three-and-a-half game lead and half of those games at home. That would be a pretty nice spot to be sitting in, especially when your road game is out at, uh, at Michigan at that point. Sam King of the Lafayette Journal and Courier. Again, he'll uh, be on the road covering that game in Columbus on Sunday, so uh, make sure you're following them. Although, from what I'm told, you might be able to go and scoop up a pretty uh, cheap ticket and go on out there and join them. doesn't seem like they fill up that place very often, but maybe Sunday will be different. Uh, Sam, it's always a pleasure talking uh, with you here on, uh, on on a Friday. I know before you get out there Sunday, you're probably going to be pretty darn busy. I mean, there's so much high school stuff going on this weekend with boy swim sectionals. we s sw- uh Wrestling State, uh, I mean... Uh, you still more boys hoops and stuff. What are you keeping busy with this weekend?
1: Uh, I'm still trying to figure that out. The the pretty women also host Nebraska tomorrow. Oh, it's
0: so. the rep the ring giveaway night too. Alumni game there yes. too. Yes, there's all
1: kinds of things. It's a uh, this time of year is always busy, and um, wouldn't you know it? We're getting close to basketball sectionals, and there's a few inches of snow on the ground. Like
0: uh, you know, well, no, that that always saves it. You always tell me it's that first week of sectionals, right? That's uh, that's when the snowstorm hits.
1: Well, that's an old Clayton Duffy theory, so I just stole it from him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, don't forget, sexual draw is Sunday, by the way, so uh, plan accordingly, although I think there's supposed to be like 60 next week. We'll see what happens. Sam, hey, it's always a pleasure. Uh, enjoy your trip out to Columbus there. We'll talk to you next week. All right, buddy? Sounds good. Thank you very much. Take care, Sam. All right, you stay right there. We're going to come right back. i got plenty more down show for you next on 1017. The Hammered One. <laughs> Thank you, Sam King, for being on. It's the Hammer Down Show on 1017 the Hammer and 1017 thehammercom I'm Jerry Chesilitis. All right, after last night's game, uh, you take a look at the metrics. Uh, Purdue coming out of the win and uh, basically holding the same. They remain number two uh, in the net. Minnesota actually jumped eight spots in the net up to 80 uh, with that loss. So you're welcome. Cool. Uh, Purdue now nine and two in that uh pivotal quad one category. Was it always nine? I don't remember who, who jumped up. Iowa jumped back up to a quad one is that's what's going on? Because they're up to like sixty nine now. Maybe that's the one that did. I feel like there was yeah. I feel like there's one game that somehow must have jumped back up there, and I can't remember what in the heck it might have been. It must have been Iowa. Because 76, the cutoff on the road. But the home game's at uh, up to 75. So maybe that Iowa home game, or the Iowa away game, got us up there to inside that thing. So that's... That's nice. Yeah, they moved up one spot from 70 to 69. So I must have missed that earlier in the week. But still, Purdue uh, riding tall there in number two in the net. Houston still remains number one. We've talked about the net. It's not the most perfect metric. It's not the end all be all metric either, uh, but it is something that the uh, committee uses. We remain number two in Ken Palm, although we have lost our number one overall offensive. Adjusted offensive efficiency rank uh number 1 now belongs to Alabama. Purdue remains 18th in adjusted defensive efficiency, still has the number 1 strength of schedule and 10th ranked non-conference schedule. As Houston and the rest of these Big 12 teams continue to like their non-conference continues to be more and more laughable by the day. Houston 221 in the non-con, Purdue 10. Again, I All these metrics, I look at these numbers and I say to myself, why? Why? And, of course, we've had Brian Tonsoni, Delphi Bracketology on to talk about how the Big 12 is kind of artificially inflated because they somewhat game the system by having super weak non-conference schedules and then pumping themselves up. So that way, when they hit the conference schedule, they're all like quad one games and stuff. And it's a sham. Absolute sham. But I am concerned coming out of that game, and I brought that up with uh, Sam. I'll bring it up again here with Jeff Jewellik, the uh, the the hockey goon move, so to speak, uh, uh, of bringing in a big body that is not anticipated to do anything, doesn't normally do anything. Uh, if you lose him, doesn't hurt you to bring him in to kind of lean on. I don't say intentionally beat up Zach Edy, although he did get the hook and hold, but. When you're out there to kind of get him agitated, bang up and see if you can't get some 50, 50 calls, I mean, that's what they're down to, it seems like. And again, I didn't feel like that this is a new occurrence as you know Collins and Northwestern tried the same thing because Zach where is on you. I mean, go back and watch the last eight minutes of the last five or six games and just see how much better Purdue has been. In those games and their opponents, especially into the paint. I mean, Zach will go on in the half with like six, eight points and come out with like twenty some. Because he gets just wears on you. Hear Robbie Hummel talking all the time, he just wears on you. So I would anticipate Ohio State trying to do uh perhaps the same thing, though they lack the depth, I believe to really properly pull off that whole way of doing things. I mean, Zed Key is 230, but, you know, he's 6'8". He's coming off the bench now. You got a freshman at 6'10", 250 in Austin Parks. I don't know if he's played or if he's redshirted. And you're certainly not bringing off uh, a kid that's redshirted. No, he's played six games. No, he's playing like one minute, two minutes, six minutes. But you wonder at 6'10", 250, if that's not something that they're going to try to incorporate a little bit more. But that's what they, and that's it. That's what you got coming off the bench. I mean you got like a two hundred thirty, two forty kind of guy, they end up being like six eight or something, and you know that's only gonna do you so good. But most of these guys that have the, the heavier weight, the two hundred thirty, the two you know, two hundred fifty, most of these guys are only seeing a few minutes at a time. So I think Zach's gonna have his way again on Sunday. It is something interesting to watch going forward. If you don't keep your starter out a little bit, try to lean on him and then see if you can't even it up a little bit by the time. Because you could tell Zach was very timid after that second foul, making sure not to get that third foul. Even into the second half, uh, it looked like he was as aggressive as he wanted to be at times. So if you can get him in that kind of situation, if you wear him down a little bit with a bigger body, maybe rougher on him, You frustrate him a little bit, if you're willing to sacrifice that. And, again, if he's going to struggle shooting free throws, uh, normally, like Sam said, like around, what, a 75% free throw shooter. But if I'm a coach and I'm looking at, I'm losing this matchup, I'm saying to myself, Maybe maybe if I beat up on him and I weather that storm, maybe he's not beating me as much. Look, he's a, over 60% field goal percentage, right? You leave out that spot for the N one, certainly. Yeah, I get that. But 8 for 14 last night. And did 11 for 16 for IU that made you feel better, but he shot against Wisconsin, 47% against Northwestern. Maybe we're letting that Wisconsin and Northwestern game feel a little bit more worse than it is. But 57% last night is not terrible. But still, you're playing the numbers game with that. If he can't hit those, maybe that's a strategy to employ. I don't think Ohio State really has the bodies to do that. Because if they got some weight, they certainly don't have the height. But it is something I I think it does, you got to look at in the future. Because the only other thing you do is double, triple team, then what happens? You leave, you're leaving Braden Smith, you're leaving Lance Jones, you're leaving Fletcher Lawyer out there to knock down threes. That'll get you beat. That'll get you beat real quick. I don't know. It's something that I've I've slowly started to notice, and I wonder if that will continue to take over. And then there was one other thing that I've noticed over the... You look at the stats back to the Sunday, the 28th at Rutgers your lawyer's not hitting threes. Over three at Rutgers, had a rebound three for five against Northwestern. But these last three games, at Wisconsin, zero attempts; at IU, one for three; and then at home against Minnesota last night, just zero for one. I don't know if this is you know Brain Smiths being more assertive. if they're kind of changing things, but I've noticed, you look at what he has done for most of the season. Just go through the Big Ten, right? Well, I'll start the second here. Five attempts, one attempt, six attempts, three attempts, four, six, three, three, five, and then you're zero, three, one. I'm not alarmed by it just yet. I'm just saying that four attempts over three games, is rather light for him, and I don't know if that's by design, if something's going on, or what. I don't, but I felt like that was just something that kind of started to jump on my radar a little bit. Again, not alarmed by it just yet, but it did seem unusual. The low amount of attempts he's had, especially against Wisconsin, who doesn't defend the three very, very well. That's the one that really stood out to me. But I don't know; it's something that I'm watching going forward. How about that? that fair enough it's something i'll keep an eye on to see if that turns into a trend all right everybody's house is different but they're all the same in one way you know you all got those places where the wi-fi it just won't go for whatever reason right maybe maybe it's up there in the attic a basement i had a, a a jets room in the back corner my boy i don't know what it is for whatever reason it just don't and don't work. Doesn't matter that his sister's room is right next door. It's no closer to anything and for some reason that work. We all have that room, right? But if you had wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you wouldn't worry about these dead spots. Finally, with wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity, you're going to get fast speeds throughout your home, reliable connection in every room, and power for all your devices even when everyone is online. That's wall-to-wall Wi-Fi only on the Xfinity 10G network. Get wall-to-wall Wi-Fi from Xfinity for a reliable connection throughout your home. Now through February 25th, get gig speed Internet for $35 a month for 12 months when you add unlimited mobile. Plus, get Wi-Fi equipment included for two years. Go to Xfinity.com, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit a store today. Requires paperless billing and auto pay with stored bank account. Restrictions apply. Tax day fees extra and may change. Gig speed Wi Fi requires gig internet and Xfinity gateway. After 12 months, internet increases to $60. After 24 months, regular rates apply. Xfinity mobile requires Xfinity internet. Actual speeds vary. Don't go anywhere. We're wrapping it up for the week here on the Hammer Down Show next on 1017 The Hammer. 101. <laughs> Wrapping up the Hammerdown Show on 101.7 The Hammer and 101.7TheHammer.com. Uh, hang tight, because coming up next, uh, we'll do the Boiler Basketball Show with myself and Jeff Julik, and guest Alan Karpik of GoldenBlack.com, and of course, Nate Barrett as well. Uh, we'll talk more uh, Purdue men's basketball with you. I know you love that stuff. So hang around. It's a good show, and uh, we'll have some fun. Let's get to some of the things we may have missed. Yesterday, Tiger. Genesis invites uh, shot a one over, but um, as much as I enjoyed watching what I got to, uh, he did have one hole where he clearly he shanked the heck out of a ball. Pure shank, put it up to a tree, and we got some explanation. He says it's happening from time to time. "Quote because my back is fused," and I saw a lot of this. Uh, The the, the one of us, yes, you're one of us, man. As much as I like to be able to relate to, like, and know that they suffer from the same type of things that us mere mortals do, especially a guy like Tiger Woods, uh, at the same time, I hate to see it. He has been an immortal force in the world of golf for how long? And to see him be human... Kind of hurts. Everybody's got a favorite Tiger Woods. How the heck does he even hit that kind of shot? Shot. For me, I saw him once hit a a three wood out of a bunker from like 240 out and put it on a green. I miss him doing the impossible. I I don't like seeing him do the impossible. I can do that. I miss the era of mystique around him. I do enjoy the fact that later on in his career, he seems to be having a little bit more fun. He seems to be a little bit more loose. The pressure of winning and that fire to have to win doesn't seem to be consuming him like it used to. And for that, I think he's having more fun, which I, I, I love for him because he's given so much to the game. But to go through what he's been through just with the accidents and stuff, and then also to go through the amount of stress of training and, and everything that goes into putting that on your body to perform at the level that he had performed at for so many years and starting at such a young age. I know stuff like this is going to happen eventually, but at the same time, I'm not one of these guys. I'm not these people are like so excited, like, ah, he does the same thing we do on the course. no. I don't want to see that out of Tiger Woods. i almost rather have him retire than to see him do that kind of stuff. I also 100% loves this, love this clip that got released of George Kittle running into George Karloftis on uh, play in the first quarter and going, Hey, George, instead of paying attention to what's going on, and Karloftis got the fumble away from him. I mean, it's, it's just, it's perfect. After he and the 49ers had no clue what the overtime rules were and making that mistake, it's, just, it's a microcosm of not being prepared, not being the right mind frame for that. And that's why the Kansas City Chiefs won that one, because I'll tell you, they know what it takes. They know they've, they've been there, right? Now, San Francisco's been there. They'll be better for that. But there's something to be said when you know exactly how you need to conduct yourself through that entire game because of the longer halftime, the pressure, all that. That experience counts for a lot. And then finally, uh, you probably didn't hear about this, but a young woman named Lauren Taylor yesterday set the NCAA record for all divisions with 44 rebounds for her Francis Marion team. 44 four. That's 30 defensive, 14 offensive boards. I'm sure she's just tall, right? Checks the stats. 5 foot 11. 44 rebounds, 5 foot 11. Size is nothing. She also set a career high with 34 points. And she had her 18th double-double of the season. Five foot eleven. Good for her, man. The previous mark was thirty two. She put up forty four, and she is five foot eleven. No excuses. Good for her, man. That does it for us here on the Hammerdown Show. Big thank you to Sam King of the Lafayette Journal Courier for being on with us on Fridays. He loves to do that, and uh, we love having him on here. So give him a follow this weekend. I know he's going to be a busy guy, but he's got you covered in Columbus on Sunday. So make sure you check him out. We're back again on Monday. I'm trying to get his buddy uh, Ethan on here because we'll have the uh, sectional draw for high school hoops. And uh, it's a big high school weekend with the uh, wrestling states. Uh, we still got girls basketball going on. Uh, we've got, like I said, that sectional draw, boys swim sectional, so much stuff going on. So uh, we're back again on Monday. Basketball show is next on...